0: Welcome to the Recovery Hour podcast, where we choose to recover out loud by sharing our personal stories of inspiration, hope, and triumph. Together, we can end the stigma and shame typically tied to mental illness and the disease of addiction. We are proof that recovery does happen. Joy and laughter may be involved. This is the Recovery Hour with Lori Windfeldt. Welcome to the Recovery Hour with Lori Windfeld. Today's special guest is Roy Tuscany, the CEO founder of High Five Foundations. Roy's recovery journey started in 2006 with a skiing accident leaving him paralyzed and that was from the waist down. Is that correct?
1: Yeah, belly button down, 130 feet on a 100 foot jump and came down from 30 feet in the air.
0: So there's that. (laughs) You know, just a little accident. And then uh, your mother's passing, which was another big not-so-highlight of your life. And she was ill and passed away from cancer, which I believe is right after is when you started noticing your alcohol use abuse.
1: Yeah, kind of went through the roof. I also, in between losing my mom and that spinal cord injury, also uh, snapped my right femur and rotated my whole leg backwards and had to have that whole leg reconstructed as well. I was talking to a to a trainer yesterday. I basically got one good limb. I got a left arm. Everything else in this body is is quite damaged, and uh, I got a good left arm. That's what I got. But I, I'm not I'm right handed, so I don't even know what I can do it.
0: So all of this is happening because you're a crazy
1: sports guy. Um, You know, I've been doing a lot of work with this guy named Stephen Kotler lately, who um, wrote the book uh, Rise of Superman, Bold, Abundance. He was a New York Times article uh, columnist for years and documented action sports and the birth and the mindset. He's really big into flow and flow research. And I'm currently embedded in a program that's called Zero to Dangerous. And um, he is trying to help folks like myself understand the synopsis that create this zero to dangerous and trying to get it so that it's like zero to flow. Um, because when I'm operating in a in a very good state, like I'm kind of unstoppable, but I also can go the opposite, the exact switch of that, where I uh, can be dangerous to myself, not in a way that's self-harming or self-abuse, but just self-sabotage. And uh, one thing that you know I've really been focusing on lately is this idea of, okay, there's a reason that accidents have happened in my life. I've taken the positive out of the negative but there's also a reason that they happened and uh, trying to get to that understanding through this uh, you know training with uh, Stephen Kotler has really been eye-opening um, and is something that man I wish I maybe would have gotten when I was let's say 22 and not 39
0: <laughs> yeah you always wonder why that comes into your life at a certain time but you know a lot happened for you between 22 and 39. Yeah, just a couple of things. Just a few things. So first, your first major accident was this jump that you talked about earlier. So in 2006, you were an aspiring professional skier?
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I had a great job. I, I coached skiing every day. I had sponsors that provided me with product and I would, I'd skied every day. That was my job. It was pretty simple. And where were you? Where did you grow up? I grew up in Vermont, graduated college in 2004 from the University of Vermont with a degree in mechanical engineering and mathematics. Oh, so smart and fun. (laughs) Yeah, smart and fun. And I got a couple of those good attributes. And then uh, moved out west in 2004 after graduating and started coaching for the Sugar Bowl freeride team and got to coach under Eric Delorier, who was like one of my childhood heroes growing up. His family owned a ski resort in Vermont. He, him and his brother were these famous Warren Miller skiers and, you know, later in life to have him as my head coach was, you know, pretty cool. And then getting to coach kids everyday skiing was, you know, that that's kind of a dream job. You wake up and go skiing, drink coffee and go skiing.
0: (laughs) Amazing. And to be able to be connected with those people that you had such a love for already. That's super cool. And so there you were teaching away and you somehow ended up in Mammoth, California.
1: Yeah. I had been there two weeks prior coaching the same kids and there was this jump that was just like so amazing. It was this hundred foot step up jump and I had hit it, you know, so many times with the kids. And then two weeks later I was on a new set of skis. It was early in the morning. The snow was a little bit harder and I ended up just hitting the jump with too much speed and going 130 feet, coming down from 30 feet in the air. And that resulted in impact into the snow, burst fractured by t twelve vertebrae. And when I hit the snow, the vertebrae literally blew up into millions of pieces, shrapnel, like a grenade explosion. And if it wasn't for me reaching into my pocket to call Jim Hudson, who is the, the head of the, the ski program I was coaching for, um, who then notified the ski patrol, you know, I don't know what the outcome was, cause because the next thing that happened was... An air mask was on my face and literally it felt like my body got sucked back in from eyes open and wow, what just happened? And there's blood everywhere because i had sliced my thumb and hit an artery. And for me not being able to feel from, you know, the waist down, the only thing I could think of from the impact that I had instantly taken was that, did my hips just go through my body? Like what had happened? There was blood everywhere. I couldn't feel, but no, I mean, in all honesty, I broke one bone and I cut my thumb this devastating life-changing injury was literally this one bone blowing up like a grenade and, and making shrapnel into my spinal cord, which caused the paralysis. And then the real scare was just hitting an artery on my thumb and there was just blood everywhere. You know, from there I was life flighted, uh, code blue all the way to Washoe medical center.
0: <laughs> we love the Washoe medical center.
1: I was the, I think as patient, like I, I, <laughs> I got there on April 29th at like five o'clock in the afternoon, and the next day I woke up in Renown. So, I mean, I I, I might have been the last official patient of Washoe Medical.
0: <laughs> it could be. So those of those of you that are listening that aren't local to the Reno, Nevada area, Washoe Medical Center was the hospital, and it's the only trauma ER. I don't know what the actual do
1: yeah, trauma ER center. Um, it's the main and uh, it is now called Renown. It's yes. an amazing hospital system that's, you know, non and serves our community in so many ways. But yeah, so many people ask, and we've talked about this is like, what was the hardest part about your injury? It was the insurance. I was getting bills from Washoe Medical and Renown and I didn't know who to pay or what was right. And like, why am I paying this entity that doesn't exist anymore? But oh, wait, they did. Uh, yeah, so that was the hardest part.
0: Yeah, and they were still all the same. They just basically changed their name and went from blue to purple. So you woke up and all the nurses were wearing purple scrubs instead of blue. And you're like, what the hell just happened?
1: <laughs> they loved or purple. It's like, uh, it's purple is very prevalent. Uh, both words start with P for a good alliteration there, but yeah, purple is prevalent throughout renown. <laughs>
0: Show is. And, uh, we love the renown because they essentially, um, pay for my, my, my lifestyle and my children, and my family, because my husband's an executive <laughs> there.
1: Yeah. Amazing. Amazing leadership member of that team too. And that plug. <laughs>
0: Shout out to Renown. <laughs> Unpaid plug. Maybe you want to sponsor this episode with Roy Tuscany and Lori Windfeld. Hey. I like, it. I like it. I could totally use some sponsors. I'm doing this shit for free, but. Okay, let's get back to your story. I always like to talk about myself, and I wind up like throw, throwing that in there a million times. <laughs> it's really hard not to talk about me, but we're here about Roy Tuscany. So. You had this ridiculousness, this insanity, this crazy accident. You wake up in the world of purple at the renowned um, medical center and you're like, what just happened to me?
1: Yeah. And, you know, this doctor comes in, Dr. David Lepla from the Serial Neurosurgery Group and outlines, you know, what he did and how, you know, he put two rods, 16 screws, two plates into my back. So he comes in, gives me all this great news. I knew nothing else other than to put my hand up and to you know ask for a high five from this guy, and he just kind of stood there, looked at me, didn't really under quite understand what I was requesting, and finally, what it felt like fifteen minutes, it was probably like five seconds to be honest, and finally, just said, "Hey doc, slap my hand." This is this is me saying, you know, thank you. This is such a positive inter, inter, interaction that we're having from you know what you were able to accomplish and and to to help stabilize my spine and, and to get me on the road to recovery. And so from there, it just it kind of hit me like, all right, this is how I'm going to introduce myself to people. I'm going to talk to nurses. And when I say hi, I'm going to start with a high five. When I have my OT, my PT, whatever it was, it was just kind of my way to break the ice. And then years later, when we were trying to figure out what to name this foundation, when we came up with the idea, I, I'd always wanted to give back. I always wanted to pay it forward. I always wanted to make sure that people knew how important it was that they helped me. And the only way that I could ever figure out truly to do that was to just do what they did for me, but for others. I knew, I knew other people would get hurt in outdoor sports. And I, I just wanted to create a community that would provide financial assistance, mental help, everything, just this co- collective group of folks. And that was my way of saying thank you to everyone that helped me. And in 2009, launched this foundation and named it after that interaction with Dr. Leplow, that almost was a fail because he didn't quite understand what I was trying to get across here. He was giving me good news and uh, you know, uh, I wanted to get back. <laughs> You're like, just a high five, dude. That's all I need. Yeah, that's it. I, this is, I didn't go like this. This wasn't asking for you to pay for it. This was, hey, nice work, man. like, kudos to you. <laughs> he
0: definitely didn't think he wanted to pay for it because he had no idea to deal with the uh, billing system for Renown yeah, and Washo. wasn't
1: sure who to bill either. He was like, so do I bill you or do Washo or Renown? Well,
0: who? <laughs> Somebody just give me the money, right? Yeah. Well, thank gosh for him, and I'm so glad that uh, you were able to successfully get through that. And now you mentioned, obviously, High Fives and naming that foundation. One of the things you have said in the past in the press is that uh, High Fives is an organization that casts a net of safety over the outdoor sport community which I thought was just the coolest saying. I don't know that if you remember saying that, but it was really cool. And I wrote it down and I'm going to put it on something. I don't know, a t-shirt or something, but can you uh, explain that casting a net of safety over the outdoor sport community? So how is high five functioning to do that with?
1: (laughs) Well, I talk so much, so you'll, you'll be okay. You'll, you'll know. Um, so in hopes to try to get renowned to continually try to sponsor this podcast, that great thing. <laughs> has, yeah, no, I, I'm, you're, you're teeing this up. You're teeing this up so good. So uh, Chris Nichols sits on our board of directors now. He's a senior vice president of uh, Renown Rehab in and, and South Meadows. In 2018, he took over the seat uh, for Dr. Tony Slona, who in 2017 helped us Realign the foundation's core values, our mission, our vision, and our tagline. And that beautiful tagline, that safety net of the outdoor sports community comes from the one, the only, Mr. Dr. Tony Slonim. So, Of course
0: he, it did. That's of why course so it amazing. Does. I had no clue. <laughs> <laughs> so we Tony, that was a good one. Yeah. Cast <laughs> yeah. a net of safety over the outdoor sport community.
1: Yeah. That, and so what that means is I'm going to try to tie it into this idea of past, present, future. Okay. So we have three program services at the foundation. We have our empowerment fund, we have our CR Johnson Healing Center, and we have our basics program. That basics program is an acronym for be aware, safe in critical situations. Now, the past component is that empowerment fund. Someone gets hurt to get them through the recovery process into the present The Empowerment Fund provides them with financial assistance. So that's that past component. The present is our C.R. Johnson Healing Center here in Truckee. So post-acute, once you get out of the hospital system, where do you go to continue your care? Where can you get massage, acupuncture, physical therapy, chiropractic, personal training, uh, mental health coaching, and also dietitian all in one spot right here in Truckee? We have over 4,000 visits a year and 33% of them are, are adaptive athletes. So we go from the past to the present. And then the idea about the future is that basics program. It's safety education. And what it is, is it's a documentary series that every year puts out a, you know, what could that, topic of the year, adherent danger being the outdoor sports. So we've done helmets are cool to try to promote helmets. We've done terrain park safety so that people can understand the adherent dangers that exist in the terrain park. Those are the types of things that we've been able to do with that safety program so that we can educate the young winter sports enthusiasts. Now, if you take all that, put it together, past, present, future, I feel that that allows us to say, not only say, but also show with action how we cast that net of safety over the outdoor sports. If someone gets hurt, we want to provide them with the assistance to get through recovery. And then we don't want to say, okay, you got to here, you're good. We want to keep them engaged. We want to keep them moving forward and we have our center. And then we want to make sure that instead of always to be there to catch an athlete after they crash, what if we could catch an athlete before they crash? And that's that basics program, which is really triggered towards eight to 18 year olds, especially, you know, the, the 14 year old male who knows everything. I I was there at one point.
0: Uh, I have one at home.
1: Oh, you do. Okay. Perfect. I got a program for you. (laughs) Perfect.
0: Perfect. We're, yeah, we're actually going to a facility today. I'm not going to mention it because they're not going to be sponsored. Um, Um, we're going to a, um, we need to get his knee checked out after basketball. He feels like he injured it like last year sometime, but just has kept playing on it because he doesn't want to be told he can't play. And now, yeah, no,
1: that's, that's 14 mentality of knowing the world better than mom and dad.
0: Mm, So, yeah, I feel you on that. Amazing. (laughs) So would you say that one of the questions I wanted to ask you, and I feel like you're just answering it, but please correct me if I'm wrong, because again, I just like to talk and assume I know everything, but would you would you say that your legacy will be the High Five Foundation? Or if you don't think that is the case, what do you want your legacy to be?
1: Well, you know, big, hairy, audacious goals is something that continually fuels my daily, you know, drive. And so when it comes to legacy, I think, you know, I think one, the most important one that is just, you know is just true to my ethos is my legacy will be my son, which will be Gunner, and making sure that, you know, my, my partner Elena and I, we raised this really amazing kid that just is a, a caring human being. And, you know, will return this earth 1% better than the day he was born. The second, um, you know, my big goal is something that I have recognized is that a lot of times in the public view, disabilities are, I guess you could call them silent or blind. And a lot of times you can't see that someone has a disability, but they're still participating and they're trying so hard um, and they're participating in that sport and it makes them so happy, but maybe they're not doing it in a way that is efficient or maybe in a way it's you know, slower than the normal. So I would love for our brand, that, that shield with the five in it to become the universal symbol for adaptive athletes. Mm. And that to me would be an incredible legacy. And then I think the third one is is actually, and again, this is no at all trying to get Renown to sponsor this, but we have this amazing program at Renown, and it's called our peer mentoring program. And it, it stems from some really bad advice that I got when I was in the <laughs> hospital system, which I don't think we need to talk about. People have heard about it. But from that, and working closely with. no, no,
0: no, 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 no You need to back that up. So, when you say people, you might be talking about people you know, but my listeners have no idea what you're talking about. So what was the bad advice?
1: Um, It wasn't from a hospital system. It was from a fellow spinal cord injury who was brought in to inspire me with the advice of So it
0: was peer support at the lowest level. Yeah. Let's just say that this guy just showed up.
1: (laughs) (laughs) So this guy showed up in my hospital room. And explained to me that the life that I could live moving forward with a spinal cord injury would include, I could slap girls on the butt because I was at the perfect height. They couldn't get mad at me because, well, I was in a wheelchair. I could... Get more drunk than I used to because I had four points of contact on the ground instead of two, and if I ended up puking on myself or falling out of my chair, well, people would feel sorry for me. They'd clean me up and get me back in. So that was the life that I was given as a newly injured spinal cord injury right out of the gate, and to me, inspiring. Just made you, it. Just was so inspiring. Yeah. And I, I, I think you know, other people could have taken that and said, okay, this is the path I'm taking. I took it as I'm going to do everything in my human power to not do that yes. and led a life that was different. So that third component of that legacy is we have this great program, this peer mentoring program that is now over the last two years has seen 39 of, I think like a potential, like 40 like something spinal cord injuries at Renown. Anybody who has a spinal cord injury, myself or other members of our team will go in within 48 hours of incident and provide them with, hey, this is what life's going to look like. And life will never be the same, but life can be awesome. And we're here to prove this to you. And we're also here so that at 2 a.m. in the morning, when you have a freak out and you need to talk to someone and you can't get a real answer, my phone's on, my team's phone's on. And that to me, if we can take that program and we can expand it to other level two, level one trauma centers across America and utilize, you know, over the 360 athletes that the foundation has supported from 38 States to become these beacons of hope. Well, that to me is what a real legacy would be. High fives is the catalyst, but that when you say legacy, legacies come from big, hairy, audacious goals that transform society. And I believe my son, I believe this peer mentoring program, And I, and I believe that providing this advice and this universal idea of this symbol, that would be legacy. All right, Lori. I'm here. Lori, can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay. Good news. I'm sitting right next to my server and I'm sitting in my office inside us. I'm now jumped into my small little closet. That's like in my kid's room, but this is our mail room. So I'm inside our mail room now.
0: I love it. This whole thing. This whole thing. Our listeners, the listeners, don't know that that we had an amazing first go round. Uh, my introduction to Roy was we did, <laughs> we did, and because I am the podcast editing, producing, hosting specialist extraordinaire, somehow it didn't get recorded and I might've cried a little bit and Roy was like, whatevs move on. Let's pick another day. So here we are. And I'm so grateful for your time because I mean, after that whole legacy conversation, I know that <laughs> this is going to be like a big deal that I had this meeting with you. So I'm, <laughs> I'm really impressed. I landed you as a guest on the 10th episode. And
1: I'm now in my fourth look. I'm also in my fourth location. <laughs> uh, my phone's overheated twice. I think I have a small bit of heat stroke. And I'm now standing inside of my mail room next to my server, uh, to make sure that we can somehow try to close this thing out without heat stroke, overheating or internet bothering us.
0: (laughs) This is this, something is trying to get us not to complete this hour long podcast, but we will get it done. Do you have any kind of fresh air in that closet? You have fresh air in there?
1: I'm totally good. I got a vent in here, a light. Yeah, we're good. We're awesome. in a good spot. We're, I feel confident where I am.
0: Okay, cool. Um, one of the other things I noticed that you say a lot, or you you discuss a lot, or I just wrote it down that it was a thing is ohana. Is that something that means something to you?
1: Yeah, you know, the word ohana is wine. It means family. and It means the family that you select, the non blood members. And one of the biggest things that I think we've been able to do here at the organization is we've really been able to create this support system that is not just relying on the fiscal grants. We're also able to provide insight from athletes that have sustained these life-changing injuries so that they can help others and so they can understand from a mentor-mentee type of standpoint. We've also just got this great group of folks that are so passionate about what they do and, and who they are in the outdoors that they want to give that gift back to people that might have a barrier or might have some type of, um, you know, exclusive thing that's not allowing it to be inclusive. And so we've just been able to assemble the, these shells. And, you know, every time we, we help someone, well, their shell, their network becomes a part of our world too. So each time we help a new person, we gain all these new followers. And it's been kind of like that since the very beginning. And We've had folks that, you know, that we've supported for you know, since the inception of the organization that are still a part of and, and still prevalent, some that are even progressed like Landon, um, an athlete from Canada who broke his back in a downhill mountain biking accident July 4th, 2010. Now, 10 years later, he's the athlete manager for the organization. So every single person that we support, Landon is their point of contact. And he speaks to them directly day to day to ensure that any of the concerns or any of the things that they may need or maybe they're not doing okay mentally maybe we can step in and provide some type of support there maybe there's a piece of equipment they need so that they can progress into outdoor sports more or maybe they're on some higher path that they're going to be competing in the paralympics and they need a different level of support there whatever it may be this kid landed now who started as an organization's athlete is now someone that's vital in the communication and in how we support these. So this Ohana is this idea of full circle and in the creation of putting people around you that you want to be around you and it doesn't have to do with, you know, the blood that's connected between you.
0: Yes. Love that. Okay. Roy, Roy, Roy Tuscany, personally, Roy Tuscany, personally, you mentioned Gunner Mm -hmm. and how old is this little nugget?
1: Gunner's 14 months old. Uh, he was born July 26, 2019. And uh, my birthday's August 26, which is cool. So one month later, we, we celebrate mine um, together. But, you know, the, the coolest part is, like, over the last couple months, he's just he started walking at 11 months, and now he walks better than myself and my wife. She's a, an adaptive athlete as well. Um, so it's quite funny to have a 14-month-old who can walk better than you already. <laughs> <laughs>
0: and you said, and it's Alana, correct? Is that your partner's name? Alana?
1: Oh, that's how I, I've, for, I've known Elena now for 10 years. Elena. Um, we've been together for two. And for the first five years, I called her Alana um, forever. And so she sent me an email that literally just said, sincerely, uh, U-H dash L-A-N-E dash U-H. And then put it like how you would pronounce. And she said, moving forward, try to use this when you say my name. So literally every time I I'd say her name, even to the date, I still say, uh, uh, just to make sure I do it <laughs> right. But just so everyone knows she does not spell it correctly. So for five years, I use that as my justification for when we were just friends calling her the wrong name.
0: Oh gosh. Well, well, good thing you're just mispronouncing that and not using like Cindy or something. That would probably be bad
1: okay so yeah uh mispronunciation is much better than miss just wrong name oops
0: so um this is this is probably a pretty personal question it's not probably it really is but it definitely is on my mind you mentioned alana am i saying it right yeah alana no, elena fuck it's elena yeah. <laughs> After all that, I still got it wrong. Yeah. Jesus Christ. Yeah. I need her to send me the email. Elena. My God. Elena's yeah. amazing. Also, like you told me about her with this whole, is it the Paralympics? Is that correct?
1: Yeah. She's the first ever, uh, American athlete to have gold medals in para or Olympics in summer and winter. She got, uh, her first gold in 2008. Then she got, uh, two more gold a of silver and a bronze in 2010. She went back to the games in 12, got another medal in 14 and went for another sport in 16. So she's been to five Paralympic games, uh, three summer, two winners, and she's done three sports at them.
0: And what is her sport? Is she also a winner sport? Like you, is she like a,
1: Oh yeah. So she's the, she, she is, she is potentially the, the best female adaptive skier. Um, I mean, the Paralympic medals is actually a, a silhouette of her. Just like, you know, the, David West silhouette in the NBA logo, the the silhouette on all of the medals is of her. She's the GOAT of her sport. I love that. I think that's why we named our son. His initials are GOAT. So greatest of all times is Gunner's initials.
0: <laughs> Thank you for saying that because I was going to say, I have some older listeners that are probably super incapable of <laughs> understanding why you would name your kid after a GOAT, but GOAT, it, greatest of all time, Peeps.
1: Yeah. Elena. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I just need you you to nod,
0: Elena. So Elena is also, did you two meet when you you were both in wheelchairs?
1: Uh, No. So I met her in 2010 at Ski Tam, which was this amazing, and still is amazing. It's got a different name now, Adaptive Like Expo that happens in Vail. Um, And so she literally had just come off of Vancouver where she had won two golds, uh, a silver and a bronze. She was like the biggest thing. And I just remember meeting her that day. We stayed close friends, and then two years later in New York City, um, underneath the Empire State Building, just like sparks flung, and we've been hanging out ever since. <laughs> Sweet.
0: So, um, yeah. physically, were you guys both in wheelchairs when you met?
1: No, I was. I was walking with my limp. I uh, I was walking with uh, my. I walk with a cane for long distances, so at that time, yeah, a cane, and that was me.
0: Okay, what I'm getting at with this is, I know that Alana is. Fuck. Am I saying it wrong again? Oh, (laughs) damn it. Elena, I am so sorry. I can't even. Like, I wish I was. Okay. I can't. Elena. Elena. No disrespect, girl. Fuck. (laughs) I need the email right in front of me. Elena. Elena. Uh, Elena. 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 So – what what my wheels are turning when you talk to me about your relationship with her and Gunner was just born. What I'm trying to comprehend is how was Gunner born? Was he born from Elena? Did she did have natural birth because she is in a wheelchair? So I am just making assumptions that her parts don't work.
1: No, we we had a natural natural everything.
0: And she's she is in a wheelchair. Yes. And yep. the reasoning yep. for that is an injury she sustained through a sport. She
1: does- Thousand overshot a jump on a snowboard, doing a backflip, and landed on a submerged rock. In first, fractured the exact same bone I did. Had almost the exact same injury, but that's the thing with spinal cord injuries—they're like snowflakes. Every single one's different, and every recovery's different. And you know, her injury has left her in a chair for twenty years, and mine has. Left me with walking with a impendingly li- limp for the last fourteen, and but identical injuries, and that's the thing with them—they're they're not broken bones. It's not you know X-ray cast heal PT. It's hey, these are what we've seen with people of your injuries, and this is what we might be able to, and we're gonna try everything we can to get you to the best quality of life possible after this injury. And I, I think that's somewhere we're high five steps, and we're we're really honest with that right out of the gate, and just telling people, hey, you know. Every single one of these injuries is different. You don't care yourself.
0: I think what's important to what I was sort of getting at with this conversation and many of us that don't experience, I mean, you're ingrained in that life where you have injured athletes.
1: Yeah. You know, folks that have life-changing injuries, folks that have had their life altered um, in the course of how they're going to move forward with life from these types of injuries. And I I think, yes, we are ingrained. And I you know, sometimes forget that not everyone is as, you know, up to date, but the biggest thing that I think Elena is such an amazing advocate is this is like, don't be afraid to ask questions, but don't ask questions that are, that are just silly. Or I guess you would say don't make sense, but also not ask questions and just stare. I think one of the best things you can do is, is just go talk. And like, that's something that I've learned really from our work with veterans. We have this amazing program, military in the mountains, take 22 critically wounded vets go through nine weeks of personal training. And then we provide them with one week of skiing and snowboarding here at Squaw. But what I've learned from that veteran community that I think can be, you know, transcended over into any type of community is the majority of the time is if you just ask a question mm-hmm. and you ask it in a welcoming way, right. not in that. I always think curiosity. I think curiosity is always the best way to lead. Um, 98% of the time, You're going to get a really great response back. Now, you are going to end up 2% of the time getting the angry person, but that's with anything like, sorry, like just start with, start with me. If you see me limping around, start with me and we can start. And You can ask the dumbest question and I won't give you a hard time.
0: Exactly. Unless
1: you question me parking in a handicapped spot. If you question me parking in the handicapped spot, the response is I earned this. Leave me alone. Mind your fucking business, right? Mind your fucking
0: business. Yeah. I know my sister has handicapped and she's, um, you know, like you talked about earlier, you can't always see injury. And she has had, she's had eight brain surgeries and um, recently, just just a few recently herself and PTSD and just a, a, a ton of stuff that you just can't see, right? And so yeah. we have that conversation sometimes too. I want to go back to this um, because this is specific to educating and definitely athletes that have uh, yeah. life-changing events happening and being in a wheelchair. My assumption, because I am ignorant, I have no idea, my assumption is immediately how can you have a baby when you have a wife, of a partner that's in a wheelchair? What I'm hearing and the message is just because somebody is in a wheelchair and has an injury in their spine does not mean that their lady parts don't work all of a sudden. So it's sort of ignorant to have that thought process that she's incapable of having a baby because she's in a wheelchair.
1: So, yeah, you know, and that's something that she, you know, we fought a lot with and we got some really great midwives um, in the Reno area that, you know, they had never, they had never had a spinal cord injury patient. And instead of shying away, they accepted it. They did it in a tag team way where the two midwives came together and said, Hey, We're not experts in this. And instead of you being the midwife, we're going to both be the midwife. Because if we have two brains working on this and two people trying to figure out solutions, and then we also brought in a doula that had never done it. But it was amazing because they all came together. And Elena's just so great at the way that she can explain to people how and what needs to be accomplished. And then you take experts in the field, like, that that then take what they know and they pair it together and it comes out as this really great thing. And so we had this amazing um you know birth plan that we uh you know went to the hospital and threw it right out the window because it doesn't work. Your birth plans <laughs> never work. And uh luckily Elena was just so well versed with our team that the birth plan that we had planned went completely opposite from that. That beautiful woman labored for 20 straight plus hours oh, girl. and had some complications. <laughs> And then out came Gunner, and uh, I'll tell you what—it's it, it, pretty amazing to see how her skill set as an athlete and how, like, her entire T as a athlete has always been based on performance and showing up, and then how she translated that into motherhood. And she is just she's amazing. From the day Gunner's been born, the, the little dude is just set for success with Aww. her as a mom.
0: <laughs> oh, that's so sweet she sounds amazing. I can't wait to meet her in person. And when we're not doing this microphone business. Um, okay. That's so that's, I am so glad we just had this convo because like you said, you can, um, ask questions and I think it's important for people to know that it's okay to be vulnerable and it's okay to ask something to educate yourself and not be an asshole just for gossip. So let's just clear that up. Um, another thing I was super impressed with you is that you were on Sports Center recently, um, ESPN. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like a sports junkie, and now not in uh, the. Uh, I like team sports like um, basketball and baseball and stuff. So I'm going to now get into the Warner Sports single shit, so I can go to do some research on your amazing wife partner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I need to know exactly who this woman is because she's like
1: paving the way for. Just look her up. She's been on 60 Minutes. She's been. On of course, she has. just type in her name it's pretty impressive
0: okay well maybe Uh, she'll be maybe she'll be Roy Tuscany part two and then we'll do another one and have um, I I mean I can just imagine so many things that so many women go through that um, she can help with but with that um, let's pivot a little bit to you specifically with ESPN tried to kill the high five I saw this online and I just was like oh my god that's Roy Tuscany on (laughs) the sports center tell me about it
1: so back into 2018, uh, Kenny Maine, ESPN Sports Center uh, guy, awesome human being, came to Lake Tahoe to document our military program, which I brought up, and it was a three and a half minute feature on Sports Center um, that was all built around the NFL draft because the individual that I started the program with is a guy by the name David Vabora. David was the 2008 um, uh, Mr. Irrelevant pick, and for folks that don't know what Mr. Irrelevant is, is, it means that you are pick number 256 in the NFL draft, aka the last person picked. That person usually doesn't go on to success. David is the only position player, other than a kicker, to ever start in that next season. So David um, was Mr. Irrelevant, played four and a half years between the Rams and the Seahawks, retired, started a gym called the Adaptive Training Foundation, and he's, he's a pretty big, you know, featured person in, in the sports world. And so when him and I created this veterans program, Kenny wanted to come tell the story from this storyline that ran with the NFL draft around David. Well, that built my relationship with Kenny. And then during the coronavirus, when ESPN launched an, uh, a major story that said coronavirus to kill the high five, it actually triggered a lot of SEO for the foundation. And a lot of people reaching out saying, is high fives over? And I was like, oh, no, <laughs> no. I texted Kenny and I was just like, Kenny, why are you trying to kill my foundation this morning? And all he wrote back was hold on. And I was like, oh shit, like I pissed him off. Yeah, you're like- and Kenny and I have what? seen super close since 2018. And then he called me and he's like, hey dude, ESPN is dying for positive stories. You want to jump on SportsCenter tonight? Lo and behold, jumped on SportsCenter. I mean, you could never ever determine the PR value of that because it's, it's, a, it's one of those MasterCard priceless moments. But I'll tell you what, it was one of the most shining moments. And as a kid that grew up like watching SportsCenter over and over again, when they used to actually like share sports stories and do the top 10, the long-term goal was to always be on SportsCenter. And so yeah. now two years in time, I've been on it twice and it's, it's pretty oh, amazing. Oh, that, fancy pants. To be able to. to <laughs> two yeah, times. <laughs> to two times
0: SportsCenter.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. That's so cool. Love it. This is all just so much. Okay. So, (laughs) I mean, your story with this injury and what I love, you always say getting the positive over the negative, right? Like it's so easy to just, you could be that guy that's in the wheelchair slapping ladies' asses going, this is where my life is. But you decided to take that and, you know, find the best athlete that you could to uh, have a baby with and just be like, fuck mm-hmm. you, fuck you, dude, I can do more than just slapping random ladies on the ass. I can just land like the hottest, yeah. coolest uh, athlete ever. So <laughs> fuck you. Um, and then I, and by the way, she has a Toyota sponsorship.
1: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So she's a pretty big deal. <laughs>
0: Remember that from our talking about how you were in the car on the sports center interview. I'm like, seriously, Roy, you're going to be on sports center and you're in your fucking car.
1: <laughs> well, the problem was, is Kenny's usually out of the California office and he was in the East Bristol office. And I just screwed up time zones. He said 7:30, And so I thought he meant 7:30 California time. And I was on my way to pick up dinner for Gunner and Elena. And, you know, I just was like, Hey, wait a second. If I'm going to be on the car, let's get the TRD in here so Elena can send it back to her Toyota people. (laughs) Of course.
0: Awesome. Always looking out. So recovery was obviously and still is something that you're going through with this injury. In the midst of this and your amazing organization, your mom fell ill with cancer and has since passed and developed a pretty hefty drinking problem.
1: I developed that. You know, right after the injury in 06, then stayed pretty consistent. That was, I would say, an aggressive drinking problem. And then after 2014, the aggressive just turned into a shit show, I think would be the best. Till one day that, you know, I set the goal. I remember just like I was at a NASCAR event, Martinsville, October 31st, 2016, and was just like, ah, I want to, I bought this handle of Casa Amigos. It's really good tequila. I was like, I'm just going to drink this whole thing myself, and you know, waking up the next to find that bottle completely empty next to yourself in an RV, feeling like death. I just said, you know, like, is this really the goals that you want to set for yourself? Are you going to set these drinking goals that are just, you know, still they're they're dumber than college fraternity goals? And there's going to be one path you're going to die. And I just stopped drinking that day. It was like the most realization with yourself, like self-aware and just fucking calling your shit on your own bullshit.
0: Talk to me a little bit about your history though
1: with drinking.
0: Were you a drinker when you were younger, like in high school or even before then? Like when was your first drink? Do you remember that?
1: Yeah, we were, we just won the state championship for cross country running and, uh, they had a party and, uh, it was my first time ever. And I drank a six pack of hard cider in like 40 minutes puked my brains out, went to the convenience store to get some, uh, had my buddies drive me to the convenience store. We had a light out, got pulled over, puked all over the cop, got in a lot of trouble. So that was my first experience. Then didn't drink, went to college first weekend, drinking, got into a fight with a police officer uh, when I was puking again and got knocked to the ground and ended a couple days in uh, the Dover State prison. Uh, so yeah, I, I'm pretty good at drinking. Um, yeah. Is where I'm going. Or actually
0: actually not very good at drinking is really what it
1: is. Yeah, I'm <laughs> fucking terrible at it. So
0: it- <laughs> <laughs> clearly. And you had some messages coming in at an early stage in your life, but with that, you still continue to drink. And for me, I that's when I realized in my addiction that that's what that was considered, right? You're going to something, you're continually going back to something that you know is going to end up in a bad situation, but you still do it. Yeah. And that's where I think people get confused, the public and those that don't understand addiction and don't understand alcoholism and recognize that clearly if if this was something that our brain would just say to us, don't do it, it's not good, we would not do it. Were you drinking pretty heavily between high school, college, and then your accident? I mean, how old were you when you had your accident?
1: I was 24. I had just come out of college. I was still like pretty heavily drinking there. But I mean, my drinking expedited you know, 5X after my mom passed. And you know, for a few years, I, mean, I, I was up to 218 pounds at one time. And it was just like all bloated fat. And like, I mean, I see videos and photos of me during that like 2014 to 16 time. And like, just wondering, like, you know, you see it and you can just see like sadness regardless of what I'm doing because I'm just so unhealthy. Ever since 16, when I decided to do that, I mean, the foundation has grown exponentially. We were still growing and we were still operating and we were still successful. But now with like a lot more clear leadership I've I've lost so much. I had so much anger. I think when I drank too, and I had like zero control of emotion. And I think my EQ has increased since quitting drinking. I mean, obviously, some great things have happened in my life. You know, Elena, Gunner, the Foundation, Sports Center, Lay's potato chips. Um, You know, there's a lot of things that have you know come forth since quitting. And you know, so many people ask all the time, like, are you sad that you quit? Well, one, I I can't control it. So. No, I'm not sad that I finally took control of something that I can't control. So that that's a big victory. But two is like I've done more in those four years than I ever have. And you know, some of those things include like waking up at four in the morning to go mountain biking as the sunrise, or, or waking up in Hawaii at four to go surf at a at a break that you know the sun's peeking over. Those types of experiences don't happen when you're controlled by something. And like you said, like people don't understand that it's like it's not just the drinking. It's it controls everything because a lot of times it's, Hey, when can I drink again? Or when's that next drink? Or, Oh, I'm never going to drink again. And then you're drinking X times more. And so it's, it's, it's a really scary process because, you know, for someone that seems like myself, you know, the success of the foundation this recovery, the media, all these things, you know, those seem like they're so in control, but you're so out of control. And when you can finally grab control of that, you can really see how much your life can move forward in a in a positive way. And I, I I can say that you know quitting drinking, you know, for the last four years, the last four years would have never happened if drinking was still a part of my life.
0: Well, and it sounds like based on again your last day waking up in an RV, the amount of alcohol that a handle is and the the volume um, of alcohol in tequila is one, it's surprising you're not dead. And two, you likely had alcohol poisoning. And a lot of times when that would go down with us drinkers, you just kind of sleep it off, throw it up and you know start over, right? So for you to have woken up that day and say, this is it and I'm going to move forward and I'm not doing this anymore is just such a, a, a valuable lesson for people to know that you can do that and that um, you are probably inspiring so many in the world. And what I love about your story also is this is a little different because you know, recovery is different for everyone when it comes to whether your drug of choice is alcohol or opioids or cocaine or food even, right? There's addiction with shopping and gambling and porn. There's so many things. It's really that mindset of having to have that hit of dopamine and whatever that that substance is that gives you that.
1: Yeah, that release. It's like, yeah.
0: Yes. And what I find really Cool. And honestly, I, you know, everyone has their own path. There are so many ways that you can, um, you know, quote unquote recover. And, you know, when you think about alcohol, you think immediately about uh, 12-step programs and being anonymous and going through these sort of things or going in rehab. And you took this sort of the, what people consider the cold turkey route. You just stopped.
1: You know, a lot of people don't sometimes believe is like, I, you know, for so long people, like I mentioned, like it was so out of control. How did you all of a sudden grab control? And I think like one of the things that, you know, that I've always believed in is incremental change. And one of the ones that always hits me is, is flossing your teeth. If you floss your teeth every day, twice a day, they say you will automatically live seven more years. And so I've always just flossed my teeth because of that. Cause I want to live seven more years. And that is, that is. <laughs> That did is, you hear that? Look it up. That one's, I promise that one's true. I don't
0: believe that. <laughs> I promise I that one's true. Floss your teeth and then you'll live seven extra years. The fact that you even like fucking believe hey, that. Hey, you know what? Is...
1: I'm about to tell you that's the secret to me. Some dentist. <laughs> no, I read it on the internet. Of course you did. <laughs> no, I read it in men's oh health. Oh my God. There is some like, health. it's like fucking oral B. I'm not even kidding. I read that. <laughs> I read that in men's health journal, but That same mindset is actually the mindset that I had to use to quit drinking. And it's something that, you know, a lot of people ask me, how do I continue? Well, I don't ever want that number to start back over. I'm so proud that I can say I've been sober for four years from alcohol. And I think that is, I don't want that number ever to get less. And to me, that's how I started this journey was, okay, today's day one. And you want this number to keep growing. That means that tomorrow you don't drink. That'll be day two and then the next day you won't drink either and i've never taken it as this you know okay in four in i i got to get to 4 years i've never used that mindset it's always been you don't have to drink tomorrow and that's always been it and it's just one day at a time because that's the only way that i could truly grab control of something that controlled me so heavily for many years of my life
0: yeah and you also while you are not in any organized program, you do have a support system of at least one person that I know of you, you spoke of before. Um, that is your sort of go-to person when it comes to any sort of craving or discussion or thoughts about alcohol.
1: Um, yeah. And that's, I, I, it's just, you know, I'm lucky, you know, you bring it back to that term Ohana and it's like the people that support me through this like one of them's the was just a crowd. He's like the definition of an M&M. He's, he's got <laughs> the thickest candy shell in the world, but he's got the biggest heart of gold. But anybody would just think like, he really supports you, like really? And he's been sober for 18 years. And then the other is a gentleman that has, you know, just gone above and beyond in the worlds of financial success and so many things. And he's been sober for 28 years. And to me, it's just like, That's my Ohana. And I, I don't need, I don't need it to be bigger. And that's goes back to that term is you get to select the size of that family. And that's a big part for this is that my Ohana for this is, is two people.
0: Amazing. And that's so important. And I talk to, you know, I'm also a recovery coach and my, when I work with my clients closely, I always make sure this is the thing. Your environment is so important to your sobriety. If that is what your recovery route is, you know, some people are listening to this and drinking is not their thing. It could be something else specifically for drinking for me. Having the environment change around me and not being in a situation where I was with people who wanted to drink all the time, or going into bars or restaurants that were always serving and finding people that truly understood the path that you were walking and needing the assistance in that. And so, listening to you, it sounds like you have those people. And congratulations on four years. That's amazing.
1: Thank you. I I truly appreciate that. And coming from someone that, you know, is a recovery coach and also a person in recovery. You understand the struggles and the the, the the successes and you know the trials, the tribulations, all those things.
0: It's a daily. It's a
1: yeah. It's a daily check-in. It's a it's a daily check-in, and and my you know driving force is legitimately is you know one thing that you brought up that you like really hits me is like you have to be okay with understanding that you're going to find out who your real friends are, and that was something that was devastating to me. Friends from childhood, I'm talking known since childhood, can't hang out anymore because they are are so worried. Um, And then the other thing is too, is like, if you want to do this, you also have to be totally comfortable with saying, I'm not going to surround myself with these situations. That means you don't, you don't go to bars anymore. And if you do, you're not going to bars at after 10 p.m. (laughs)
0: And so you have to
1: be comfortable with this conceptual idea that things have to change and you have to be okay with it and you have to be comfortable with it and you have to accept it. And I think that's the biggest thing that so many people can't do is like, I see, you know, so many people and I, I like hundreds of people have reached out to me. How do you quit drinking? How do you quit drinking? And, you know, so many people, oh, I'm on day five, but I'm just drinking the soda water at the bar. It's like, that's awesome but drinking a soda water at the bar is going to turn into you know a, a kettle one and soda at the bar. And I'm not saying no one can't do it, but I'll tell you what, the people say all the time, like if you want to have a successful life, surround yourself with successful people. If you want to be like, whatever you want, surround yourself with those people. And, and uh, Ironically, that's how your life is going to turn out a bit. And so I think that's something that a lot of people need to understand is like, you're going to have to be comfortable with this massive amount of change. You're going to have to be comfortable with the idea of what used to be normal does not mean that. Oh, now I just drink non-alcoholic drinks there, and you're gonna lose friends, and that's that's just the honest truth.
0: <laughs> well, and like you said, you know, are you really losing friends though, or are you gaining? Uh, are you in a place now that you recognize that the friends you thought that were your friends were really there for a different purpose? You know, there are going to be people in your life that don't understand sobriety. There are going to be people in your life that don't support that because they're uncomfortable. But the people that stick around are those that truly love you for who you are and will be willing to adapt and to be able to change their interaction with you in the environment because, frankly... Whether you're sitting in the car sweating and doing a podcast and you have somebody sitting there supporting you or you're sitting at a fucking bar and drinking soda water, like it's about who's next to you and who's supporting you and who's helping you with that. And it's so huge. It's so huge for recovery.
1: Agreed. A thousand percent. A
0: thousand percent. Okay. Last thing I want to ask you is if you had the opportunity to have dinner with someone, anyone, dead or alive, anybody you can invite to your home for a dinner party, who would it be and why?
1: Who, um, you know, Steve Prefontaine is, is a name that comes to mind. Um, Steve was the catalyst of the US uh, like distant surge in the late 70s. He actually um, created a lot of stuff so that Athletes could get paid and make a living while still pursuing. So the United States does not fund our athletes like many countries who fund athletes as like employees of the country. And so he made a big wave and he was part of university of Oregon. He had a really great mindset. He was a, you know, he was smaller than everybody. He had one leg that was longer than other. Nothing about him made him a distance runner. He unfortunately got killed um, when his MG flipped over a gold MG. Um, and I, I just always grew up idolizing him. I think that would, I I think Steve Prefontaine would be on that list. Um, I always like to do things. I never like to give one answer. I like to give a couple. Uh, (laughs) The second, uh, Roy Alexander Tuscany, my grandfather, he, he died in 1980, a year before I was born. So it would be pretty cool to meet my grandfather. And then the last one, my other grandfather, Bob Peters, was just, he was the fucking bee's knees of life. And if I could get another night with him, that would be, that'd be pretty
0: cool. Oh, that's awesome.
1: So that's my list. I got three.
0: <laughs> yeah, you got three. Okay. I asked for one. I have three. We have a bonus section here with Roy Tuscany. Amazing. And I'm sure that they're all looking down and so proud of everything that you've accomplished. And really, truly, I hope that you can sit back and take uh, take a look at that. Like and really soak that in. You have an amazing life right now and you have done so much work to get there and you deserve it. And it's really inspiring and impressive. And I'm so happy for Thank you. you.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> yes, of course.
0: Okay. So listeners, you have it here. Roy Tuscany, High Fives Foundation, amazing person. We're going to hear more from him someday. Maybe we'll do a dual podcast
1: with the girl. Yes, 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 yes.
0: <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for your time.
1: Lori, you're amazing. Thank you. Such a pleasure getting to talk to you. And I hope you have a wonderful day today. <laughs>
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Recovery Hour podcast. Successful podcasts equal subscribers and good ratings. Please take a few minutes to rate, review, and subscribe. To learn more about me, your host, Lori Windfeld, jump on over to therecoveryhour.com. Here you'll find information on my coaching and speaking practices, as well as information on guests of the show. If you're still listening to this and you haven't subscribed to my mom yet, what are you doing? You're lame. So go do it right now. All right, all right, calm down. Sorry about that. He's just really excited for this to be successful since I have been spending all of my free time on this project and not with him. While you aren't lame, as my son suggests, I would really appreciate a few minutes of your time to subscribe. While it doesn't seem like much, it really does help my goal in spreading the word of recovery. Until next time, let's continue to inspire, live, and give.